0: Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. And I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a
1: constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset.
0: In this episode, we talk about weddings to start We're both going on trips, so we talk a little bit about what's going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks. We go over, for me, my lessons from last week about joining a community, signing up for Ship 30 for 30, and asking the right questions. And Sean digs into his week about how they also ask the right questions, learning how to say no to certain things, and developing a strategy for the next
1: 30 days. Yeah. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to week 22 of the Startup Struggles podcast. Week 22, episode 22, two more weeks, and we will be six months in. Actually, technically one more week will be six months in since we took a week off. However, for our listeners, we potentially might be taking two weeks off because I will be traveling in Colombia next week for a good friend's bachelor party. And James, the week after that, you'll be where? I'll be in Mexico for my brother's wedding. Nice. Yeah. Hopefully we still find time. You know, the sound quality might be worse (laughs) since we're not in front of our mics, but I think we can still swing it and record for at least 30 minutes. Yeah.
0: Or there might be a day where we're both in stateside. Yeah. Right. You're back from Colombia. I don't leave from Mexico. And there's like one day. So maybe we can record on that day.
1: Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Before this conversation started recording, we were just talking about how Eric doesn't have grooms, Ben. And. You are giving a speech.
0: Eric and hannah they do have groomsmen and bridesmaids, but they don't have the maid of honor or a best man. Oh. And they didn't want to do speeches initially. But when the wedding coordinator asked, like, is anyone giving speeches? And they asked me, I like, hesitated for a little bit, but I decided I wanted to. Yeah. It's like, you never actually get to do this for your brother. So I just wanted to take the opportunity to do that. But... They are having a very, kind of like you were talking about how it's like unconventional, right? They didn't really want to do a, a standard, like each of the parents are supposed to say something. There's supposed to be like some kind of ceremony where they gather together and either like pour sand or like light a candle together or, you know, there's like those kinds of things that happens at weddings, but I don't think
1: they're doing any of that. Hmm. Are they doing any like Korean stuff, like what's it called, hanboks?
0: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to be doing that either because it's a
1: destination wedding, and so to pack all that stuff and yep. it's just a hassle. All right, so there are groomsmen and bridesmaids. All right, so I won't shit on that too much. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I was. I was just telling James that for my wedding, I didn't have uh, any groomsmen or bridesmaids because one, Minks like kind of girls grown up were just from her community were just like too deep. It would be like ten people. I was like, there's no way I'm going to find 10 groomsmen. Like, I literally have to go just grab friends. I have 10 friends total. Yeah. <laughs> but for me personally, like I've been a groomsman a couple of times and it's an honor, obviously. But at the same time, I was just like, it felt like such a hassle. Like I can't enjoy the wedding, right? Because I just have to stand up there. And be away from my family. And that was kind of the the big thing. Like, Mink's been a bridesmaid as well. And she said the same thing. I was like, you kind of have to be away from your family or from your significant other. Or if you have kids, that's like, you have to be away from your kids, right? Yeah. And so, like, all this questioning just made me go look up, like, who invented this idea of groomsmen and bridesmaids? Yeah. Being me, I'm just like, inquisitory like that to really question that status quo. Do you know why? No. Enlighten us, please. Okay. This is how ridiculous it is. And after you hear this, you're like, I probably might not want to do this. Maybe unless your future wife wants to. But basically, it was this pagan belief that the devil was going to come steal the bride. And so (laughs) you had bridesmaids Uh thrown in the mix so that it would confuse the devil. Okay. (laughs) So that's why they have bridesmaids. Why do they have groomsmen? Well, when photography was invented... They realized that they need to balance out the photos. And so they added <laughs> groomsmen. That's so silly for symmetry. For symmetry, yes. And that is why today we have groomsmen and bridesmaids hmm. and a whole industry around. It's like if I had groomsmen, like everyone would have to spend more money, like getting like tuxes and like this and that. It's like, dude, let's just go spend that money and just go enjoy ourselves. Like just have an all out blast on the bachelor party. Let's just do that instead, right? Yeah. Because I was like, this is fucking silly. Like, I'm not pagan. <laughs> I don't think the devil's going to steal my bride. Why are we doing this?
0: You know what would have made more sense with the whole goonsman thing is, I thought you were going to say it was for protection. They were there to protect the bride from if there was a demon attack. Dude, the whole wedding thing is such a... Oh, we, we're not going to go there. All right, we're not going to go there. That's like... <laughs> no, no, no. You mean like the finances behind it. It's like you have a party. oh, oh. I thought you meant like just the idea of a no, marriage. No. I don't I don't want to go there. <laughs> I'm not married, so I can't. I don't want to step on anyone's toes. And, but <laughs> like if it's just a party and you rent a venue, it's X amount of dollars. But I heard that if you add the word wedding to it, all of a sudden the venue cost is X times 10. It's just something ridiculous and absurd. Kind of like flowers on Valentine's Day, how it's just way more expensive on one day of the year. Yeah. It's very strange. Very strange. I guess you had to make money somehow. Yeah. Well, coming back to us, how was your week? Eh, it was okay. It was all right. Was it like a neutral week? No, I would say I'm still in this kind of downward spiral. But listening to my la- like the last few episodes, it just sounds like I'm like complaining all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like, uh, I don't want to complain about my life. Yeah, but this wouldn't be the struggles podcast. We're not complaining. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Hey, everybody, everything's good. All right, that's a wrap.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes like that would be awesome. But I think the big thing, the takeaway from last week, one of the things that always like kind of stuck around was if I was living the life that I wanted to live, what would that look like? Or it's like, what is the right question to be asking? And how I kind of tied that together is the whole idea about community too, right? The reason why you have to build community is kind of to get feedback. You need feedback to figure out if you're doing something right or wrong or just how people are kind of reacting to the things that you're doing. Yeah, if
1: you're making progress.
0: Yeah, not that we have to like rely on other people, but we need feedback to continue the path. And so back in October, actually when we were first talking, you asked me if I ever took a writing course and I said no. And you mentioned this course, Ship 30 for 30, Yeah. way back then. This was off air, and I was like, "Oh, I, I don't know. And I never really looked into it again until recently, we're talking about community. I was like, oh, maybe I need to commit for a little bit into this whole writing thing and take a course. So I, I signed up for it, and the cohort actually starts today. and it runs for, I think, five weeks. And the challenge is after starting in the next week, so this Saturday, it's to write every day and publish something every single day for 30 days, Hmm. which sounds ridiculous actually, because I struggle to just even do one. But anyways, I think that's the big thing that I I took away from our conversation is, yeah, I really need the feedback, really need to find community. And since I was already writing, I figured why not take the shot?
1: Yeah, and I think the beauty of this exercise too, like I love these, I'm gonna share with you last time, like I, I think it was all fair too that I, Did like a daily vlog challenge, shot a vlog and edited a vlog every single day. You did it for like 42 days or something like that. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, because in the beginning, they were terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But I put it out there. I was like, who cares, right? I think in many ways, it taught me to fight perfection because I had to ship something every single day. I had to publish something every single day. What I'm talking about is fighting perfection, especially in the beginning, because I think perfection is the enemy of everything in many ways, because there's actually a Tony Robbins saying, he's like, perfection is actually the lowest standard, because you'll never reach it. yeah So you'll always be below it. And what's interesting was that this is kind of doing some hindsight analysis, retrospective on my experience, because I actually never quite thought about that. I, I only thought about it from like a persistence perspective that like it taught me that if I just continue doing something every single day, that I'll get better. Mm-hmm. But as to why and how I was getting better, I didn't really think about it until just now. And that I was okay not putting out like this amazing piece of work the first day, the first 10 days, the first 20 days. But then like, as you're like slowly starting to put the repetitions in, similar to learning an instrument, it's like there's kind of this hockey stick curve of growth and there's like, boom, all of a sudden you're putting out really cool stuff. And then people are just like, wow, you're, you're such a talented videographer (laughs) on the 30th day, ignoring the first 29 days, which was absolute garbage. But that's like, that is, I think, the way for everything. And so just having some kind of external, I think, accountability helps. Because at that time, my buddy, who is like a professional YouTuber now, Mm -hmm. he was the one that inspired me and pushed me to do it. And he was kind of my accountability buddy on that because he was doing one every single day. Wow. Yeah. He did it, except for 40 some days, he did it for like two years (laughs) every day. Every day. It was like, you have to shoot. You have to like shoot the content. Yeah. And then edit it, right? You shoot like maybe like an hour or two worth of content. Then you have to come home. I would spend like four or five hours editing it into like five, 10 minutes. Yeah. Dang. That is impressive. But at that time, like I honestly, like I didn't have much else to do. So that's all I did. (laughs) I like would find new tools for like editing or like new title effects or like new transitions and learn color grading. Not all the same times. Like every single day, I think I just pushed myself to try to learn something, one thing new yeah, or do one thing a little bit better. It was fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Why did you stop? I stopped because I reached this like crossroads where I was like, I could either go down this path and do this professionally Mm -hmm. or not. (laughs) Because I was at a point where like I went and found gigs to go shoot weddings, like shot a fucking wedding. I shot a bunch of like business videos, this like DTC direct-to-consumer business. They had like a men's attire, like men's clothing apparel, DTC company. It was one of those like subscription boxes. And I shot kind of like their spring portfolio shoot. It was like a- Oh, cool. Teaser video. I could send it to you. It was actually pretty cool. And then after that, they were like, hey, would you be willing to shoot like behind the scenes? They're doing actually like a fall shoot, I think, for the the lookbook. And they're like, we have this like really famous photographer coming in. Do you want to come in and do like kind of the BTS? So I did that. And I was like, wait, like I'm kind of deep in this. Like, do yeah. I <laughs> do I like want to continue doing this professionally? And build a company out of it or something, you know, build a team, build a company out of this. And I think at that point, one, I had just gotten to Berkeley. So I was like, Well, I'm gonna go to the MBA. Yeah. I think that was one reason. And the other was just like, I don't think I could I wanted to do it professionally. Which is a hobby at the time. It was just a hobby. But I'd gotten to a point where I was really happy with my work and output in terms of like the types of videos. I'll put some links into the description of this episode if anybody wants to check this stuff out. But all that came from like 40 some days of like just consistency. It'll be interesting if anybody's curious to check out. I'll like post the first video. I think it's unlisted right now. So I'll, I'll if I share the link, you should be able to access it on YouTube. Yeah. Where I just like literally sit in front of the camera and just talk. That was it. That was my vlog for that day. And then by, like, the 42nd day, I was, like, flying drones and, like, incorporating, like, I would, like, plant the camera somewhere and, like, drive off and then, like, go get my camera and, like, just have all these, like, scenes. I remember now, too, like, kind of the next step in terms of where I want to progress was storytelling. Instead of just, like, a random vlog, like, there's actually, like, a narrative to that day. And so that requires a lot of pre-planning, planning planning out my shots, shit like that. And then working then to post-production, so it's all cohesive and whatnot. And I started like trying to watch videos, a masterclass from Hans Zimmer. He's like a very famous cinematographer and storyteller. And there was like all these books I had to read. And I was like, I don't have time for this shit right now. (laughs) And clearly that was kind of a signal for me. It's like, all right, I think I've gotten to a place where like, I feel very comfortable. And to this day, I mean, I helped my buddy shoot a, my buddy Bao shoot like a music video for his song, Perpetual Heartbreak. And I was just like, wow, that's cool that I could do that. Like he asked me one random day, I think it was like a year and a half ago. He's like, hey, can you help me shoot this music video? Just one continuous drone video of me flying from his loft inside. And then he like sits on the windowsill and then I'm just flying past him. And as I go out, you think you're like, this this is just an indoor shot. Then like it goes out and then it curves around and arises and you see like downtown LA. It's like just one continuous shot. Oh, cool. It took like 13 takes. But after I was like, this is fucking dope. Like, I could do this. Yeah, And it was just fucking dope. Because he had a vision for it, right? As the artist and the producer, he had, like, the vision for it. And then as the camera person, as a videographer, I, I had the quote-unquote skill sets to execute it. That's enough. Like, I'm going to be honest. Like, that feels it was worth it. Like, I did enough where I know I have transferable skills that I can transfer into some other artistic area or whatnot. Even though I think initially at the time it felt like kind of a waste It's not. That's interesting. It's like after a while, when you're pursuing
0: something, you kind of have to learn how to say no. And a big part of saying no is not only to what other people ask you to do, but what you want to do. You have to select one thing that you're going to pursue for some time, commit to it and just go after that.
1: Yeah. And just like give it, I think 30 days is a pretty decent, you know, you can break it up 30 days over like six months, Or just 30 days straight. And maybe this is like the takeaway, like giving something 30 days, I feel like is a good enough try to know whether or not this is something you truly want to pursue or continue. Yeah, Maybe it does have to be within a shorter period of time. You published an article 52 days now, right? Over 52 weeks, over a year now. Probably a little bit more, but I wonder, you tell me, if it's like you don't feel conclusive about it yet because it was like over a longer period of time.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if I want to continue pursuing writing or not. And I think this next challenge, the shift 30 for 30 is going to be very telling of if I'm going to continue doing it. I think because you're absolutely right. Like over the last year, yes, it's a long commitment. And I wrote nearly probably almost every single day. Yeah. But there are just some days where it was like, I just kind of sat in front of the screen and looked at the blinking cursor (laughs) 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 wrote like one sentence and called it a day yeah do you know how many words you've written no so i thought about doing all the kind of math and to figure that all that stuff out but i scratched it because it wasn't like it felt like a what's it called like a glamour metric that i just kind of wanted to like talk about for the sake of talking
1: but it didn't make me a vanity metric yeah vanity metric that's what it is yeah but i mean you could frame it another way. The reason I'm asking is like, you probably have written a book by now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like when people are like, oh man, I don't know how to start a book, write a book. And looking at it, the average books, the average book is what? I think 50, 100,000 words. Average book word count. Oh, sorry, 70,000. Yeah, 50 to 70,000 words is the average YA novel, adult fiction, 70 to 120,000 words. You've probably written like two books by now. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs>
0: Some of my stuff is pretty short. I also went through a challenge where I tried to write 5x less for a little bit because I read somewhere that the more concise the article is, the easier it is to consume. Mm. I went through a phase to do that maybe for a month or something. That was hard. Trying to take my first draft and it was 2,000 words long and then to cut it down to 500 words, 400 words, I was like, oh my God, this is fucking difficult. But that was fun.
1: The other thing I think might be pretty cool and helpful for you to help you kind of uncover is what form of writing. Googling this economy kind of work kind of book, it's like, oh, well, YA novels are this, adult fiction is that, or nonfiction is this other thing. It's like, maybe like your passion may lie in writing, but in a different genre yeah, or in something else. And I think like Ship 30 for 30, it, I think some of the exercise like, oh, today, write this, tomorrow, write that. So it's not like just write, period, every single day. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I think there's some like topics and whatnot. That's exactly right, too, because I think one of the big problems I've been running into is what am I going to write about? I think that was kind of a scary thing, too, is I don't know what to write about anymore. I've been writing about mental health, depression and breaking negative thinking and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if I really enjoy writing about it as much anymore as I used to. And so the other thing I want to find out is maybe it's exactly right, like different genre, different type different topic. And so yeah, I'm gonna spend the next month, month and a half, really, I think the big thing is, what this makes me do is committing to it. Mm. Yeah, like I committed to writing to a year, but I don't know why. But I just felt like I wasn't giving all of it, all of myself to this endeavor. Yeah, which at some times it, it did feel like I was like giving everything. It was like, fucking pulling teeth to get some articles out. But yeah, yeah. I, I think this challenge is really going to push me beyond what I'm comfortable with. I think it'll force me to ask the right questions. Mm. You know, last week, you're saying like, what is the right question? So for a lot of people who are stuck of trying to figure out where they want to go, yeah. you have to ask the right question. That's right. It's like, I, I don't want to be here, but it's like, well, where do you want to be? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And when you asked that question, I was like kind of stumped. I'm like oh i don't know and yeah, all i know is i don't want to be here <laughs> yeah yeah but then like where else where do you want to be and i think even doing that video challenge what you pushed yourself to do is something different you took action and you realize after a certain amount of time that hey i really like this but this isn't it for me i don't want to make this a professional career and not saying that everything that you do has to become some kind of profession but it really depends where you want this to go.
1: Yeah. And actually through that process, I actually met a lot of cool people on the way too, which was interesting. Like, cause I had to publish on YouTube. Naturally people discovered the videos and it was actually just a very interesting process. And, and funny enough, like not many people watched the videos at all, mm. maybe like 20, kind of like this podcast, but at the same time, it was enough feedback. Like I have 195 subscribers <laughs> for my YouTube channels. That's pretty good. And I had some feedback, right? I got encouragement. And that actually is what led to ultimately like those gigs, like people asked me to do videos and things like that. So like, oh, this is really cool. Like, And just never hit me until I put this stuff out there. It was like, oh, like what I'm doing actually is valuable for someone else as well. The skill that I'm learning, I can put it to use somewhere else. So yeah. You might never know. Well, you'll uncover until you try. So I'm really glad you signed up for the class and we'll check in to see how it's going. Yeah. We'd love to just hear that progress. Well, what about you,
0: Sean? I know that you're excited about going to Columbia soon, but how was your
1: last week? Yeah, last week was... Oh, I I remember now. The beginning of the week, we were talking about how it was like pretty rough. And I think it took a while for me to kind of figure things out before talking to my co-founder, Servi, about it because I wanted to have more clarity. And this is like a straight up startup struggle where sometimes when your team is in the dumps, when you feel stuck, and by in the dumps, I mean like you feel stuck, like you don't know what to do next. And a lot of times it's not because there's a lack of options, but it's like there's too many options, right? There's too much information, too much input, too many opinions. That's especially as a leader, you have to take a step back and create space to think, to strategize, to digest, not in that order. You should digest first, and then think, (laughs) and then strategize, actually in the opposite order, and come up with a plan. And that takes time. And I think that's something that, especially as a startup, is sometimes underappreciated because you're expected to move fast, right? What was it like? Move fast and break things, right? That's like the motto. And I don't think that applies to everything. That probably applies to developments, to certain things, but then like overall strategy and direction. Like sometimes you can't just have indiscriminate action. And so it is a balance between moving fast and breaking shit. And obviously like then balancing like on the other end is like taking time, strategize and be deliberate, right? Because if you're not balancing the two, then what you end up with on the extreme side of moving fast is just indiscriminate action. Just doing a bunch of random shit that you don't know why you're doing it and how you're supposed to do it. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it ended up feeling like. And so very specific example for us was like, it took me a little bit to really conceptualize or just be able to communicate that Clever is a to c business. B2B in the sense that like, we are trying to work with podcast hosts and podcast networks to then help them better serve their audience. Mm-hmm create a platform that helps them serve their audience. So you can think of it similarly as Uber, right? Uber is b 2 b to c It's Uber to the drivers and the drivers to their, it's sort of like that. I mean, Uber's actually a little bit different, more of a marketplace of sorts, but that's the idea. Mm-hmm. So we had figured out the B2B portion, right? That's what we spent the first six months on. But kind of the gap in thinking was we didn't think about the B2C portion. We kind of just assumed the hosts would know how to market clever to their audience. We never questioned like, we should know how to market to the audience, right? right? So we can tell the host how to market the audience. And then the other big assumption that I made was that like, I assumed that like the audience would be homogenous, that a super fan for a Tim Ferris show type, like a business educational type, would be the same type of super fan as say a true crime. Just saying that out loud, that sounds ridiculous. Like there are two different types of people. Both may be super fans, but their needs are different, right? For the Tim Ferriss group, they might need from the clever, like note-taking features, highlighting, like sharing, right? And then for like the true crime side, they might want discussions. So they have different needs, and we need to market to them differently. And again, saying this out loud just sounds so fucking obvious, but right. When you're kind of in the pits, you're just like you tend to overlook a lot of obvious things until like someone literally just points it out to you. You're just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's nothing like. The unknown. It's like literally the most obvious shit. What a uh, Farnham Street calls like first principles thinking, which is just taking something really complicated and trying to break it down. So that it's like, what are the steps? Like, what is step one? Fundamentally, that's probably been the biggest struggle for the past month, two months, mm-hmm. because a I didn't know that we had this problem. B once I figured out we had this problem, I needed time to think about it and create a strategy and a plan around it. C We don't have time right now (laughs) (laughs) because we have demo day in like six weeks, right? End of April, where we are supposed to pitch progress to investors and try to raise our series seed. And then D, if I can't communicate it to the rest of the team, then the team is just like, well, if you don't know what the new plan is, let's just continue on the old plan. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, we can't. It doesn't work. Yeah. (laughs) It hasn't been working. And then like part of the team will be like, well, it hasn't been working because we haven't tried long enough. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, yes, sure. We can always make that argument, but we also have to be adaptive and nimble as a startup. So it's just this constant tussle of like, do we stay coarse or do we quote unquote pivot or adapt? But if you adapt too much and pivot too much, then you're completely distracted. And so it's just this constant like emotional roller coaster balance of like, What should we be doing right now? Should we be adapting, tweaking, or should we be staying course? And honestly, like nobody can give you that answer except for yourself. And you don't have enough time to figure it out sometimes. But you have to make time at the same time. (laughs) It's funny. It sounds like you are having to
0: learn how to say no to certain things and also ask the right fucking questions.
1: Yep, that's absolutely right. So yeah, that's what's been going on and finally have clarity. It's just a realization and then being able to communicate that like we need to figure out the B2C portion. We need to do more research and figure that out because we don't know what our customer ultimately needs that B2C portion of the customers so who have two customers, then it's going to be an uphill battle anyway. So we have this dual prong approach right now where I'm working on the top down customer acquisition piece, which is working with podcast hosts who acquire their customers, right, their listeners. And then our new team member, our community managers who came on, they're doing the bottom-up approach. They're going to the communities first because we kind of know what genres we want to try to figure out, we want to target, and then find the most active listeners or users in those communities and try to engage them so that we can somehow just meet in the middle between the two strategies. So that's, again, being able to say that just feels good because we have clarity as to like, all right, we're going to move north (laughs) together. Seems like a good plan. Yeah. The two wheels are going to turn in the right same direction so we can move forward, basically. Yeah. That was my week. I think for both of us, we have trips coming up. So there's some healthy dose of distractions of just planning for the trip. Shit I need to do, like forms I need to fill out. And then just trying to spend as much time as possible with the family this past week before I leave. And so that was really good. I think being able to have more time to spend because the mentor meetings were done, just having more time to spend with the family has been really, really healthy. Yeah. We'll check in next week and see kind of where we're at, especially with your course. And I'll I'll kind of give you an update of my week as well, because I'll still be working overseas. I was going to ask, are you really going to take some time off or? Well, I'll probably take like two, three days off, especially on route. Funny enough, I don't like to do work when I'm in air. I just don't find myself that productive. Yeah, I don't like it either. Some people are really good at it. They are. I'm just like, dude, I just want to sleep. I don't want to listen to some music, some books. I just want to relax. Yeah. I'm excited for both of us having some clarity as like at least what the next 30 days is going to be like, because in some ways it's like planned out for us. Yeah. right. (laughs) It's like, let's just see what happens and do this and then debrief afterwards. So yeah, that's our week. Thanks everyone for listening. We will hopefully continue next week. (laughs) No doubt. And we'll definitely continue after the trip. So don't worry. We're, we're, We're still going to be here.
0: Yeah, We'll be back but it might be a little spontaneous. Yeah. All right.
1: Thanks for listening. Have a great week.